1: Today we are joined by our guest host, filmmaker Heather Lenz. She's a filmmaker best known for Kusama Infinity, a feature-length documentary about artist Yayoi Kusama that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and received international distribution. Also, director-producer, cinematographer Holly Tuckett joins us this week with her new documentary, Anchor Point, about female firefighters battling both blazes and sexism as they work to change firefighting culture so that women can do their jobs without facing gender bias, discrimination, or sexual assault. This is Holly's second feature film. Her past work includes Church and State, Timmy Earl Skeleton Girl, and Una Vida Mejor. So happy to have both of you joining us today, Heather and Holly. Thank you for having us,
0: Claire. Yeah, thank you for the lovely introduction, Claire. And thank you so much, Holly, for being here. Super excited to get to talk to you about your new movie. And I guess just to kick it off, could you please tell us uh, a little bit about the title, Anchor Point? What does that title mean? Sure, sure.
2: So when we were trying to... To uh, come up with a, a title for the film, uh, one of the things that kept coming up, both in Lacey and Kelly's conversations, was this um, this discussion of an anchor point in, in fire, which means to p- find a place in which to safely engage the fire so that you can so that you can battle it safely, and. Um, and Kelly often, in in her interviews, talked about you know having these anchor points in her life that really kept her grounded. And um, so, for me, the term anchor point kind of is a twofold thing. It 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 definitely speaks to uh, engaging fire from a safe place, which is a technique that that uh, firefighters use, but also for these women that are trying to change the culture of fire. They're trying to create a safe place in which to engage their fellow firefighters in conversation um, to really uh, create a, a safer place for them to work.
0: Yeah, it's a very important topic. And you mentioned um, two of the main characters, Kelly and Lacey, and we'll talk a little bit more about them as we go forward. But um, before we do that, I would love to hear what made you decide to make a film about female firefighters and and how um, specifically did this topic come to your attention?
2: Uh, In 2018, I had just come off of uh, starting the the distribution process for church and state, and I, I mentor students uh, through the Utah Valley University program uh, each summer on a program called Fem Project. And basically, the the pro, film program there brings in uh, mentors from from uh, the film world to help the women in the film project in the film program. Uh, Basically, work on a real film set, and so we we every year we do a short film, and uh, I've been asked to either be the gaffer or the camera person on on those those projects. And one of my students uh, was in Boise, Idaho, uh, during the summer, and and ran into a woman who was working as a firefighter for the BLM, and wanted her to make a documentary about this topic and she just felt like I'm a student and I'm I'm overwhelmed I don't even know where to start so she reached out to me and said you know I'm trying to finish my senior year I don't have time for this but this could be a great story for you to get involved with and so that's really how the film came to me um you know how how firefighting came became kind of more front front and center in my in my consciousness, um, and I guess as I started to do research, I saw a lot of similarities between my path in working in film, uh, which is very male dominated, and also the similarities in the path of these women in firefighting so so I really I really was uh, I guess curious to see how 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 these women were changing their field, and what what other women in male-dominated fields might glean from this film as they're na- navigating uh, male-dominated
0: spaces. Yeah, that's excellent point. You did a, a just an amazing job of selecting two really compelling um, women to focus on in the film, and I'm wondering if you knew going into the film that they were going to be your two lead characters or if um or if you were filming before you realized this, and if you were already filming how many how many women were you covering before you kind of zeroed in on these two?
2: There was the the gal that we started with with the BLM, but we ran into a lot of issues trying to get permissions with uh, with the BLM in order to to follow her story, and she also kind of uh, her path took her in a different direction than I really saw a storyline that I that I wanted to follow, and so she introduced us to another woman firefighter that was working in the BLM who basically turned me on to the women's uh, training, women's women in, perf- in prescribed fire training exchange. Sorry, that's a whole mouthful, um, So, which we call WTREX. And um, she was like, this would be a great place for you to go, and there's going to be probably 40 women there. And they're all working together. They're they're doing prescribed fire, so you'll be able to, to get fire footage, um, and you can you can meet a number of women to maybe find your character. We were doing research, and so I knew of Kelly because of her congressional testimony. Um, because we we definitely looked at that as something that we wanted to put in the documentary as a, a supplementary. Um, kind of basically giving, giving credence to, to our, our thesis. Um, And so we knew we were going to use that C-SPAN footage, but, uh, you know, I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if somehow we could get to her, but also she works for Yosemite national park as the chief of fire and aviation. So that is going to be a huge hurdle to overcome. Um, And, Then we also knew about Lacey because we had studied a film, a short film by uh, REI called Women in Fire, and just just as something to to know what's out there in in the same realm. And so I knew about Lacey and Kelly, but I had no idea how to get a hold of them, and, and I just felt like, you know, hurdles for especially Kelly to get through And so when we went to WTREX in March of 2019, lo and behold, Lacey was the public information officer for for the event, and Kelly was um, basically overseeing the whole incident and and being a mentor to the incident commander, the, the female who was the incident commander of that event. And so... It gave me the opportunity to talk with them and really find out more about them, and I really still didn't know if they would be the the main characters. Um, convincing any of these women was difficult. Um, they are very private. They are very worried about retaliation when they speak out. And so, and they also, I guess one of the biggest things that really I didn't understand, but now I totally do, is they don't want to be seen as victims. And they're really kind of trying to navigate this world to be a sign of strength so that they are not criticized for the jobs that they do. And so, uh you know it was difficult to to really gain their trust and i the very first day that i showed up at that training uh i had to introduce myself and what we were planning on doing and one of the things that i said to them was you know i i'm here to learn from you i'm here to be curious i'm here to hear your stories and i'm here to have you tell me what's important to be to be told and I kind of got an icy reception from the entire room, and um, some, you know, I it, it, we were at the end of of the meeting and, and needing to break to move on to the next event, which was to go out and actually engage with with doing prescribed fire. And so I basically rounded it out saying, "Does anybody have any questions?" And just in my mind was just like, these women are just. I'm really not getting through to them. Um, And someone yelled out, do you have um, your cotton panties on? And because that is something that is required. It's part of, like, your fire gear that that you wear is that you wear natural fiber underclothing. And I actually just took a moment, took a big breath, and I was like, if I'm going to be vulnerable, maybe they will be vulnerable. And so I dropped my pants and said, I am going to have Swiss and Swath just like all the rest of you. And everybody laughed. Kelly came up to me and said, that was amazing, and I can't wait to get to know you. And so I think you know as a as a documentarian, you often are asking your subjects to be really vulnerable with you, but you also have to be willing to get vulnerable uh, and be be willing to to do things that that uh show your vulnerable side in order to get through to them so
0: well, I think maybe That's you. Uh, we need to come up with like a pitch prize, and then you could win it for the most unusual uh, pitch <laughs> method. But I, I'm sure. So going into it, going into that meeting, um, you already knew this about the the cotton wool, you know, clothing. Is that? And you yes. hoped, Did you hope to film that day? You did. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. I. I definitely we, one of the things that was a requirement to come and film with with them is to be fire ready. And so that means we had to buy fire boots. We had to buy the the natural fiber underwear and then we also um were loaned uh what they call Nomex, which are the yellow shirts and the green pants that that fire that are fire retardant. Um and so, you know, we were uh basically fire ready and so i had no idea that i was
0: going to drop my pants but i was
2: fire ready
0: right. <laughs> Right, amazing. Well, I guess as someone for environmental reasons, I try to avoid avoid synthetic fabrics. So I'll have to uh, we'll have to exchange shopping tips uh, after the call. Yes. But, <laughs> um, so you not only directed and produced this movie, but you also shot the film as well. And could you talk a little bit about any challenges you faced wearing all three hats, as well as any benefits? Yeah, I guess. The challenge is, is
2: that you know you worry about uh, dropping the ball somewhere, wearing all the hats like that. Um, luckily, I do this a lot. Um, I wear, I have my own production company, and I do a lot of work uh, in the industrial video space, and um, so I often will wear a number of hats uh, in order to to make a living, and so I have a lot of practice, but um, it you you can get overwhelmed you can feel uh, exhausted most days. Um, I guess that's the biggest challenge in in my mind. Um, what I do think uh, in putting wearing all three hats is helpful is no one no one cares about your film as much as you do and so when you're wearing all three hats um, I really feel like you you as a camera person, you are getting exactly what you see as you want to direct <laughs> and um and i I started as an editor in this business, so I often when shoot when I shoot, I shoot with the edit in my in my mind, like how I want it to be edited and so as I'm filming scenes with folks. Uh, I'm constantly thinking about how things are going to be cutting together and things that I need to pick up, and then, as far as producing goes, you know, I think that because it is something that I directed and created you know behind the lens uh i am I am much more dedicated to getting getting it to the finish line than anyone that I would hire um and so uh Often I've been accused of being a doer <laughs> um i i get get as some people will say, I get stuff done, and uh that's my biggest strength is that i I lock on to something and i and I will push it through to the finish line and so uh for me, being in that in that director' seat and that camera person's seat allows me to be much more intimate with my subjects and also really, really um, driving the narrative of of the story that I'm trying to tell.
0: Yeah, those are all uh, wonderful assets, I think, starting with the the editing background and being able to shoot yourself. And as you said, no matter how much money you have to hire people, they're never going to be as engaged with Um, something that's a passion project as, you know, the person who came up with the idea. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about anything that made this movie particularly hard to film. And so I'm thinking about things like filming near a fire and filming in the great outdoors. At one point in the movie, one of the women talks about the reality of um, having to go when nature calls and there's no toilet around, which isn't as easy for women as men. And I assume that probably came up while you were filming. And so if you could just talk about all the obstacles with filming this particular movie, I would love to hear about that. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, um, Heather, it it really – probably our biggest obstacle was finding – Active fire that we could actually be on,
1: um,
2: the the process for uh, obtaining permissions through uh, the BLM, the BIA, national parks, U.S. Forest Service—you know—all of the entities under the Department of Interior and the USDA—it's almost a two-year process just to get permissions um, to film on an active fire, and oftentimes almost a a Um, non-starter. Most of the wildfires that you see out there are very dangerous, um, and you have to be actually certified oftentimes if you're going into those uh, roles as a camera person. Most camera persons that you see, like a film footage on television, things like that, they have what they call their red card, which is basically your certification Um, to be on a fire. Uh, I really wanted, after learning that uh, this would be Kelly and uh, Lacey's potential last season um, in 2019, I just didn't have time to, to really ask for those permissions. So a lot of times I function in a very <laughs> rogue and uh, uh ask, for permi- ask for forgiveness rather than permission as a documentary filmmaker. Uh mm-hmm. it's a little dangerous I suppose, but um but it that was probably the most challenging part. Um engaging with fire was definitely uh, difficult at first. Um Because as a camera person, you often get lost in the lens uh, and you become engrossed in what's happening in front of your lens and you're sometimes very unaware of what's happening behind you or on the sides of you. Um, But the wonderful thing about prescribed fire is that everything is very planned out and um, the, 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 the PIO or the public information officer's role on a fire is to keep whoever is from the media safe. And so never at any time did I feel unsafe under both Lacey and Jennifer Fawcett's care um, on that W WTREX event. They were They were really, really great in, in, Educating me on where I should stand and why I should stand there and um, even allowing me to sometimes follow firefighters inward into where they were lighting, doing ignitions and things like that. And um, so, you know, giving me like clear directions on, on how to do it, but it definitely like first day, I was definitely anxious. I was definitely afraid it was very hot <laughs> near near the fires, and it was very loud. And um, so you you definitely get the sense of what these folks feel when they're on the fire line, um, because I was literally with them on the fire line throughout the film. So so uh, that definitely was probably the most intense part of of filming was just uh the heat and not really being able to to be completely aware of what was around me. But but safety measures were in place so I, I felt pretty confident that I was gonna come out alive. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can see how this would definitely be challenging, especially I understand these were prescribed fires, but if they weren't, you know, things can just rapidly get out of control. And I have been on sets where the cinematographer, as you said, is just immersed in what they're seeing through the lens and kind of guiding them by putting my hand on their shoulder and kind of, you know, (laughs) guiding them to Mm -hmm. turn right or whatever um, because they're not maybe seeing something going on, um, you know, outside of the lens. So I can see how being... In, shooting the film yourself has great advantages in terms of the framing and the fact that you understand editing, but then there is, uh, there can be a drawback too. Yes. I'm wondering if um, you had the women film any parts of the movie, either by wearing a GoPro or holding a selfie stick or anything like that, because maybe they were able to go places you weren't.
2: Yes. So definitely with, um, with Lacey, because she was she was in uh she was on her hell attack crew, and we attempted to be able to go and film with her and her crew and her boss said yes, but the powers that be uh, in the Forest service asking for those permissions again were very um you know it was like yeah, we should be able to get back to you sometime in two thousand twenty um you know to let you know whether or not you can have permission and for me, knowing what I knew that this might be Lacey's final season, she was contemplating and uh, applying to nursing school and trying to figure out what what her next steps would be. Um, I knew that this was would be a missed opportunity, and so I basically called Lacey and was like, "I cannot get through to get these permissions and she said I said, "So I'm not sure how we're gonna do this and she she said. Why don't you just give me some GoPros? She's like, I'll do it. She's like, I, you know, it's not something that I know how to do. But if you, if you talk me through it, and she actually found a film student up in Montana that she went to school with and um, gave her pointers on just running the GoPros, you know, how to how to set them up and how to how to work them. And then her and I had discussions over text and phone when we could about what she was seeing out there and just like how kind of giving her a, a crash course in editing and shooting. Like this, this is how I want you to think about the sh- things that you gather is like how can I make it into a film scene? And uh, so I, I credit Lacey as being just, in, just as important uh, of a, cinematographer in this film as as myself uh, her footage was stunning that she captured it was it was so amazing to actually get the footage from her and after the season was over and start really pouring through it and realizing how much solid gold was in was inside of of the of the footage that she captured.
0: Well, it's always wonderful when you have a, a collaborative, cooperative um, you know, film subject that's going to help yeah. you get the movie made, so that's great that you had that. So you've talked a little bit about some of the challenges getting permissions to film and things like that, and I'm curious about um, their male colleagues who are in the film, and did you feel any pushback from them?
2: Not specifically from the men that we interviewed and the men that that appear in the film. Um you know, Lacey's crew she had been with for a number of years and while she I wouldn't say that that they were Unsupportive of her necessarily, but there were instances, and you know she she divulges that in the film, and um, you know I think that there are always stories of of men who are not supportive, one hundred percent of the time, um, you know there's 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 always going to be that guy on the crew, uh, but both Kelly and Lacey and most of the women that we talked to said, you know, it's it's an overall uh, patriarchal system that we hope will become more diverse and that, you know, where we have men that will support us on one hand, I mean, Lacey talked to me once about, a you know, a a friend of hers who said, I'm sorry that that's happening to you. But yet in, in the room, he's not speaking up for her like privately. She gets the support, but speaking up in front of, you know, the other men on the crew is sometimes uh, hard for men as well, you know, to actually stand up and be a good ally just simply because of the systems and, and all those also the systemic, um, patriarchal oppressive nature of of the field and so you know I think I think that it's changing the great thing of it is is that because firefighters are seeing the film because everything has been online it's been the benefit of of having the film festival circuit be available online I've had hundreds of film Especially female firefighters see this film, but also male firefighters. And basically, the the USDA Forest Service reached out to me through their organizational learning um, uh, department, and they they sponsored a screening for a hundred 100 to one hundred and fifty uh, firefighters and supervisors. And so, and they came to me, so. They're looking to change the culture of FIRE and make it more inclusive and diverse and trying to find ways to, to mitigate um, using storytelling, which is really wonderful.
0: Yeah. One thing we haven't said yet um, that's covered in the movie is that um, it's roughly 90% male, 10% female in this field, so that's a pretty big um, uh, percentage difference. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, so we've talked a, a, la- a little bit about Lacey, the younger of the two characters, and she's very articulate in the film. She talks about how the inequality she faces on the job um, is actually harder than than the part of the job, which is putting out fires, which is already a hard job, and. Yeah. She gives an example about how if someone puts you down 48 times and you let it go 46 times, but you finally speak up for yourself two times, you're just labeled as a difficult person and she talks about how guys perform poorly or make a mistake on the job. People say, hey, it's okay, just try again, and this time do it differently, and maybe they give them a tip or some encouragement. But if she messes up, the reaction is, hmm, maybe women really shouldn't do this job. And, and as you've alluded to, this is the kind of stuff I hear women talk about in the film business a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but one thing about Lacey is, Although she's super articulate, she uses some colorful language. And I'm wondering if you've struggled with whether to put that in the film or eliminate it or if potential distributors have commented on it or asked you to reduce it or remove it. So far, distributors have not asked me to reduce or remove it. Um,
2: I really just frankly relate to Lacey. Uh, I, I am cantankerous. And I, the F word is my, one of my favorite adjectives, verbs, nouns. Um, I use it in all sorts of ways. I actually got told by somebody at a job that I worked at once who was very Mormon. He was like, it just rolls off your tongue, and I forget that it's even a bad word um, <laughs> because it just, it's just the way that you use it. It doesn't seem offensive. And I said, well, because it's not, it's a word um it's a descriptor or however i'm using it in a sentence um so i re- i related to lacy and also that's just her personality and i don't i don't ever want to um not allow someone to be authentically themselves on camera and that includes you know if that's their their vernacular i'm not going to ask them to say it again a different way and, and get rid of it. Because to me that takes away the authenticity of who she is as a person. And so to me, I, yeah, it could be problematic. Um, There is bleeps that, you know, we can always bleep it out. Um, I just feel like that, that the colorful language gives you a sense of really who she is as a person and also how the, how how
0: this problem really matters i agree with you it's uh, it it um, it's part of her character, and so mm-hmm. um, that's how I see it also. And so Kelly, the other main character, you cover her experience as a whistleblower who testified about her experiences as a firefighter, and she actually ended up on the cover of Time magazine as a silence breaker. And one thing that was super evident is that she never wanted to be a whistleblower, and in fact, I've never heard of a person who wanted to be a whistleblower, or who, whose life was easy after after becoming a whistleblower. Um, And what we see here and what I've seen in other stories about people who make the courageous decision to come forward and go on record about troubling topics is that they do it to help prevent other people from being heard and to stop the cycle of abuse. For me, one of the saddest parts of the film is when allegations of misconduct are, are discussed by politicians, and we learn that similar complaints were made 16 years ago, and basically, nothing's changed, and I wondered how you felt when you saw that footage
2: when When we discovered that in the testimony um that to me was kind of the moment that that told me this film is so important, and Kelly being a part of the film is penmount <laughs> to 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 really getting to know her and to understand someone who has had a 35-year career and put up with the kinds of things that were being discussed in in that congressional hearing and in the complaint 16 years earlier, and to really understand why even 16 years later, here we are again, um, is is why Kelly... I think is an important character in the film because you you really get to understand someone who is from a different time period than Lacey. I, I really feel like Kelly and Lacey mirror one another um in different eras. that they are the, yeah. sort of the same person in, in you know in in kind of how they uh love nature the way that they they carry themselves on the fire line, um, you know, their goals and aspirations. And yet they are two very different people simply because they come into fire at very different times in in, uh, in cultural experiences. And so Kelly comes from my era, you know, we're, we're close in age, where women just put up. Put up, shut up, and do your job. And Lacey's coming from an era where, no, women are pushing back. We're not going to tolerate this anymore. And I'm going to speak up for myself no matter what the cost. And so I think that it just really was a great um, contrast in personalities and how they navigated this very same world. Um, and and the outcome.
0: Yeah, I agree. They they um, they're wonderful as uh, two main characters in a film. And I'm wondering how they reacted when they saw the movie for the first time. Um, both loved loved it. I mean, we're we're very moved.
2: Uh, I think it surprised it definitely surprised Kelly. Um, Lacy Lacy and I talked a lot as I was. Going through the edit, um, I really, you know, because she shot so much of her season, you know, it was it was easy for me to to reach out to her and talk with her and and really uh, kind of use her knowledge about social justice and things like that as a as kind of a guidance for me as I was going through the edit. Um, Kelly Kelly definitely. Uh, is in a is in a position of power, and with that power comes relationships, and so, um, in fact, even right now, Kelly's working on an initiative to increase pay with uh, for all wildland firefighters and change change the way that that wildland fighting firefighting is. Um, Recognized through the governmental systems and, and giving them different, uh, job series is what they call it, um, positions, uh, and, and changing their pay structure. And so for her, you know, seeing herself on film and, and the topic was a little a little difficult, I think, for her after she after her first initial reaction was I love it, but then also because she's working with this uh, grassroots organization to to basically improve working conditions and pay for wildland firefighters, she she was very worried about how it might impact that. Um, happy to say, uh, Biden just today there was an article that came out that. Uh, he is increasing the pay for wildland firefighters this season, and those those that grassroots group that Kelly is working with is, is really making a lot of inroads, and that's also a very important part of, I think, changing the culture of wildfire. And so I understand where she was coming from, and uh, – so, you know, allaying that, that uh, fear for her, I think our screening with the Forest Service really kind of helped, helped in, in uh, recognizing that her work uh, and part of the film was integral uh, to helping make systemic
0: change. Yeah, and I noticed when I looked at the end credits of the movie that uh, most of the key positions or maybe all of them were filled by women, and I wonder if that was a con- conscious decision on your part.
2: Yes, we're making a, a movie about women. I want as many women as possible to be a part of the making of this film, and so so very much so. And, and you know, some of my, my mentors are men in this business and some of my best friends in in this business are men. I have nothing against men, but, uh, we need to see more, more women in, in the key positions, um, you know, helping to make, make movies. And if we're going to be making a a movie that is female centric, uh, why not have all women?
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the biggest obstacle you've faced as a filmmaker, and also what's been the most rewarding part of being a filmmaker for you? Mm.
2: I guess the biggest obstacle for any filmmaker really is funding, especially in the documentary space um, i I just think that there are so many folks out there telling great stories and and so many people wanting to be filmmakers and the the advances in technology have made it possible for you know many you know people anyone could pick up a camera and make a documentary i feel like um because the 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 cost of entry to to doing so is is not very high other than uh, your time and so for me fundraising is always one of those hurdles that um one of those challenges that can make or break a film um oftentimes though, when I find a story that I really want to tell i I just do it anyway i probably- <laughs> probably much to the chagrin of all my friends and family who end up uh somehow supporting me <laughs> as i as I go on these adventures uh to to making these films but but yeah most definitely i think that that uh in, especially in the documentary space uh finding funding is is really challenging um the most rewarding part um man being able to uh really have your film change people is is an amazing feeling and uh i feel like this film in particular has done
0: that more so than any other film I've ever made. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just terrific. Um, And I think you should be super proud of yourself for making this film and shining a light on this topic. I think it's really important. Um, And what advice would you give someone who wants to become a documentary filmmaker? (laughs) <laughs> and Heather, I don't know
2: if anybody ever told you this
0: when you said,
2: I want to become a documentary filmmaker but I've had people who I look up to say, run the other way. Um <laughs> That's true. I, I I I have had more than one documentary filmmaker tell me that. And in a way, I almost feel like that advice was the best advice because it made me lock my heels in and become stubborn and say, I'm going to do it despite your horrible (laughs) uh, advice. Um, But I think that if you want to become a filmmaker, uh, especially a documentary filmmaker, stay curious, always. Uh, Don't give up. Uh, and, And just tell your stories, because even if, even if it never get, gets distribution and maybe you put it out on YouTube or Vimeo, people are going to see those stories and they're going to be impacted by them. And, and it's really uh, up to you on, on how much you're willing to sacrifice in order to become a documentary filmmaker uh, because there are sacrifices that you will make. Sacrifices of time, sacrifices of money, uh, sometimes relationships are, you know, being gone for, I was gone on this film for the better part of two years in and out of being home and away. Um, those kinds of uh, things will, will take a toll on, on familial relationships and friendships. Um, and so, you know, you really, I think just, you got to love what you do. And I really do. I, I, I love telling stories.
0: Well, sounds like you found your calling. So that is terrific. (laughs) And I know you're just releasing this and you're still spending, you know, it's just out there and that takes a lot of work too, getting your film out there and, and, you know, helping people find it and everything. So I don't know if you're working on anything new already or if you're focused on this, but if you're working on anything new that you want to tell us about, I want to give you that opportunity. For sure. For sure. Um,
2: I, I do have a few projects in development. Um, one is a docu-series, and I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but it definitely has to do with feminism. <laughs> and cool. uh and so uh, we'll see where that all lands. We're, we're in early development. We're planning some uh, pre, pre-development shoots, some, some production stuff to, to create teasers for it and, and look for funding. Um, I have a, another friend of mine who I'm looking forward to help um, with a documentary about the, the suicide problem here in Utah um mm. and then also an, another documentary uh that is uh, a friend of mine has been in the in the journalism side of reporting on mormonism and polygamy here in Utah and she's she's found a story that she's really interested in uh telling and so we're going to hopefully be working together to do that so I, there's more in the works uh I can't stop what I'm doing because I
0: love it uh it, it fills me up. Great. And will you please tell us um, your website or if there's a separate website for the film so people can follow along and if you want to share your yeah. social media hands or anything like that?
2: Sure, sure. Our website is www.anchorpointfilm.com and uh, socials are uh, at uh, on Instagram at doc. Uh, uh, sorry, at Anchor Point Dock, and uh, my personal is at Tucky FHP.
0: Great, and is um, is there anything else you would like to share that I haven't asked you about?
2: Um, you know, you you had asked uh, what in in a pre in my pre interview uh, document what some of my influences have been. Um, Mm -hmm. I just want to make a shout-out to a couple of – a few people. Kristen Johnson, who did Camera Person, um, which was game-changing for my camera work. Um, I I have seen over 20 films a year at Sundance uh, since 2006. So picking favorite films is not really a thing for me (laughs) Um, because I really sometimes don't remember – their titles until I start looking at lists online and was like, Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. Oh, that was a good one. Um, so I don't really have like a favorite film, but, um, Kristen Johnson's camera person changed the way that I approach my camera work. It's a, for anyone out there who wants to make good documentary, especially cinema verite, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, and she's a wonderful person. Um, As far as my influences and mentors personally, two people stand out. Tyler Measem, who is a documentarian here in the state of Utah, but is now moving to L.A., made Sons of Perdition, Honest Liar, I Want My MTV, and Murder Among the Mormons just recently that was on Netflix. Um, He is the person who told me I should run the other way. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
2: and yet has also been one of my one of my greatest friends and uh, person that I can go to for advice. And then Andy Timoner who did We Live in Public and Dig as well as a number of other documentaries. Uh she hired me to work as a camera person on Coming Clean, uh, which is her latest documentary, and she has been such a wonderful person to literally, I can text her anytime and ask for advice. And she's just always been there for me.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you found a supportive network because it can be, as you said, a very hard business and it's hard to make a living. So it's always good if you love what you do and you have people that are, are helping you do it. Um, Claire, I, I monopolized the conversation, but is there anything that you wanted to ask before we end our our call? You did such a great job covering all the questions I would
1: have thought of, really. Uh, Great job. And, yes, Holly, you're doing wonderful work, and I want to thank you for, um, you know, for your passion that you put into this work. That seems to be what really drives uh, the good that comes out of the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Claire.
2: And I I really appreciate you and Carol for putting together a platform that, that highlights not just not just filmmakers and the films they're making, but also the art of funding a film. I uh, I look forward to, to listening in on more of that, that conversation
0: as it happens.
1: Thank you. Great. All right.
0: Thank you so much, both of you. And thanks everyone for listening. All right. Okay. Be well, everyone. Oh, thank you so much. That
2: was a lovely conversation, Heather. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you again
1: successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com.